the the verses that are the basis for this message they are very familiar and as i was considering this earlier even earlier than now i remember what a dear brother commented to me in fellowship after i gave a message in a conference somewhere in the united states and he said uh, your message you know i i heard it before but there's some new ones here that uh, are hearing it for the first time and that didn't bother me at all but it made me concerned for him because the uh, the characteristic of that was i've been there i heard that i know that i'm familiar with that this is a characteristic of laodicea of a lukewarm church life and that is the only degraded direction that a genuine recovered local church can reach we know by the revelation in chapter 3 of revelation and the ministry of the age that opened it up to us was that the lord has had his recovery he needed to go to china to do this he couldn't have any other way in the west and so there is this genuine recovery of a local church and we know that's signified or typified by philadelphia brotherly love uh holding on to the lord's word standing for the truth but the, the enemy's strategy is to gradually cool us down so things are familiar another this another that and i don't know where in the recorded messages of brother me i suppose i could search for it and find it but this man that i consider humanly speaking was a genius his memory was almost miraculous and i don't know how many times how many hundreds of times he read through the new testament but he said every time i read the bible i'm reading it for the first time and i want to apply this to myself personally i'm going to share something from familiar verses I've spoken about them before but this is a new fresh meaning a new day we know from the the word in revelation 21 the one who sits on the throne the redeeming god he said i make all things new and so these verses Romans 8:26 to 29 especially verse 28 it's just a fact that we're very familiar with this verse all things working together for good to those who love God to those who are according to his purpose and that makes the subject of this message all things working together for good to those who love god and who are called according to his purpose and before i read these particular verses i just want to briefly point out two other crucial matters in uh, chapter 8 of Romans and the first concerns Christ in relation to us and so i just read verse 
with process. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Doesn't say the spirit is alive. It says the spirit is Zoe, it's life. But here we're told Christ is in us. And this is another familiar verse. But let's just, I'll just pause and exercise right now, my dear brothers and sisters. Christ is in us. A person, the all-inclusive Christ as the life-giving spirit is in us right now. And we know from what he said at the last verse of Matthew that I am with you all the days until the end, the consummation of this age. And he's known as Emmanuel, God with us. So my, my wife and I are in an upstairs room in the house we live in. And the Lord is with us. And many of you are in the meeting hall, the place where you're meeting in Oslo. The Lord is with you. He's in us. I know this is so basic, but even as I'm trying to share this, it's so refreshing to me. It's not just a concept. It's not just a verse. It's not just a teaching. Christ is in us. Christ is with us. And according to Paul's prayer that we all know well in Ephesians 3, uh, yeah, Ephesians 3, he's praying that the Father of glory would strengthen us with power into the inner man so that Christ may make his home in our heart through faith. And so today is another day of Christ's homemaking in us. He's with us. He's in us. He's making his home in our heart. So I want to emphasize the indwelling Christ. We can't see him, but we love him. Like Peter said, we cannot see him, but we believe in him. And then the other verse is verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died and rather who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So he is now at the right hand of God interceding for us. So he's in us, he's with us, and he's at the right hand of God praying for us. And I just want to emphasize this more and more that we're having this, to me, endearing time together in the presence of the process and consummated triune God and with the all-inclusive Christ as a life-giving spirit being more and more to us every day. And then before I read these verses, I just want to point out something very much related to this message. And that is in verse 18. And then I need to give a kind of opening word about uh, a word in this particular verse. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the coming glory to be revealed upon us. And so... I hope that in your in your mind and heart, 
you will connect this verse with verse 28. I read it again. For I am, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the coming glory to be revealed upon us. No human being suffered to the degree that the God-man, Christ Jesus, it's beyond our capacity to even remotely understand. And when he was on the cross for six hours, he suffered the first three hours being slandered by men. Then in the second three hours, every negative thing was laid upon him. Only God the Father knows the depths of the suffering of his son. But keep this in mind as I mention a verse from Hebrews 12. That Christ was on the cross. And the joy that was set before him. Every time I read or even think or quote this verse, I'm just touched and encouraged. He's suffering beyond description for our redemption and for the release of the divine life to be imparted into us. But while he was on the cross and in the eyes of God, he wasn't his son. He was a serpent on the cross because he replaced us. There was joy set before him. And off and on for years, I wondered and was seeking. What was the joy set before him? And now I'm reasonably sure. I had this feeling for a number of years. And I don't know where I read it in one of Brother Lee's written ministries, ministry uh, messages. The joy set before him was his bride. He died for her. We know this from Ephesians 5. The joy set before him. And I'm not going to take the time to turn to 2 Corinthians where Paul, for a particular reason, gave us a list of his sufferings. How many times he was beaten with rods up to 40 times. I think four or five times. He's, he was stoned. He was left lying on the ground. People thought who stoned him, he was dead. And he said, I was shipwrecked four times. I spent one night in the sea. And so this dear Apostle Paul knows what he's talking about when he uses the word suffering. But it's accurate to say Christ was living again in Paul. And Christ, when he was suffering, there was joy set before him. And with Paul, in the midst of his suffering, there was joy set before him. And only our loving, wise, sovereign Father God knows the present situation of each one of us. I'm somewhat aware of some dear saints that have had unending physical pain year after year, so many situations. 
or are just in challenging environments, whatever the situation is. Paul wanted us to realize God will cause all these things to work together for good. But I want to make just a brief mini message or footnote to a message about suffering. Uh, just so that it's clear. And uh, as often I'm following an example that Brother Lee gave when he went to Seattle, Washington decades ago to give some messages on Second Corinthians. And one of the messages included, you know, suffering for the for the benefit of Christ and the church. And when he came into the meeting, some, I would say, pseudo-spiritual sisters, because eventually they were following a very unusual woman and they, they left the recovery to follow her. And they were just praying about their feeling about suffering. So Brother Lee began the message by making it clear to all of us the different kinds of suffering. And I just give you a brief list and this will segue us into verses 26 through 29 and the outline. Well, human beings suffer when they make big mistakes. Like a, a man who has a job and he's always late for work. Really late. And his boss told him that you, you need to come here on time. If you want to keep your job. But he kept coming late. So he was fired. Now he, if he was a Christian, he couldn't say, I am suffering for Christ. No, I am suffering being fired from a job because I wouldn't come on time. And then there's, I, I'm reluctant to say this, but it's just a fact. There's the common human suffering in the old creation. So with the COVID thing all over the earth, why God allowed it to happen, I don't know. My personal feeling was it, it was an attack on the Lord's recovery and all the churches all over the earth. But the suffering is common because we're living in the old creation. And then there's the sufferings related to God's discipline mentioned in Hebrews 12, where he's training us, he's disciplining us. And then we can come to something way beyond this. And Paul took the lead again. That's why he said in a verse we've been hearing repeatedly this year, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And what is that? Christ is still suffering because the enemy is attacking saints and the churches and they are suffering. We know from what was made clear in Acts when the Lord appeared, revealed himself to Saul of Tarsus. He said, why are you persecuting me? Me. 
the Lord could say this because when you persecute members of my body, you're persecuting me. Is it not a, a principle of the body? When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. So even now, Christ is suffering. And there's such a thing as participating in the fellowship of his suffering for the body. That's why we have this verse in Colossians 1 about suffering for this. Well, the message itself is not directly on suffering. This is the foundation. But the verses we'll be about to read have a broad application. But they also have a very pointed and specific application. That is to the dear believers who are suffering in any way. They really need the supply from these verses, knowing that Christ is interceding. He's doing it for right now. All of us are on his heart. I say this on his behalf. He is interceding for each one of us. He knows what will happen on your tomorrow. He knows what will happen for the rest of the year. And now we come to the verses to see that the spirit is interceding for us. And then this will lead us to the key verses 28 and 29. Moreover, in like manner, the spirit also joins and to help us in our weakness. For we do not know for what we should pray as is fitting. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, because those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So just a few comments on the verses directly, and that will lead us to just a one-page outline. Uh, we have plenty of time. Moreover, in the manner in the like manner, the Spirit also joins us to help us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as is fitting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know about you directly. But isn't it the case that when we're having a personal contact with the Lord, it's just a one-on-one -on -one time with him. I'll just say this on your behalf. Much of the time, I don't know what to pray personally. I, I've been helped to pray by the words, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will strengthen me with power into the inner man. Lord, make your home in my heart. Lord, just enable me to grow in life to maturity. Lord, I come to you as an open vessel to receive your dispensing. And these are 
endearing prayers, precious prayers. But there's another category of just wanting to fellowship with God according to where we are, just what is happening. When it comes to this, most of the time, I don't know what I should ask. I didn't know that on last July 9th, when I got up early in the morning, that something would happen in my body that would be exceedingly painful. And why I would need to be rushed to the emergency room. And why that would lead to heart operation. But he knew. He knows. And he understands that we can have genuine fellowship with him. I say again as an open vessel. But where we are in our growth in life, to what extent we've arrived at maturity, to what degree we are being blended together, to what extent have we been built up, all, all these things are beyond my knowing, allow me to say, our knowing. And so we may pray that are not fitting. Doesn't mean that they're erroneous. It's just, it doesn't match what is really going on deep in your being. But the spirit knows. The spirit is interceding. And I'm going to keep on applying it this way. Right now, he's interceding in each one of us. Right now. And just look at this verse again. Moreover, in like manner, the Spirit also joins in to help us in our weakness, to help us. How precious the Spirit is helping us. For we do not know for what we should pray as is fitting, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so when the Spirit is interceding this way, sometimes we just go, oh, oh. Well, this is not just a sigh. This is a sign of the Spirit interceding. But he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to God. And now, please be ready for this connection. The Spirit is interceding in us and for us because the Spirit knows what experiences and what environments and what circumstances we need to grow to maturity, to be transformed, to be conformed to the image of the firstborn Son of God. He, the Spirit is not interceding for, oh, this man Ron is been naughty again, even though he's an older person, he's, he's been naughty. I, I'm just asking that you deal with him in this way and that you judge him, he deserves this. This is not the kind of interceding. He knows the depths of my inner being. He knows what needs to be touched, what needs to be applied, what needs to be dispensed but needs to be experienced. So he's interceding according to God. And this 
leads us to verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. The things in verse 28 are the result of the intercession in verses 26 and 27. And the interceding spirit praying according to God knows that we all have the same goal personally. And that is in verse 29. To be conformed through the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We were predestinated for this. We know from Ephesians 1, 5, we were marked out, predestinated to be sons. Now this needs to be worked out to be accomplished. And yes, we have Christ interceding for us. We have Christ in us. We have the all-sufficient grace. But our Father knows we are living physically in the old creation. And we need certain events, certain uh, experiences for our transformation and confirmation for our maturity. So you see the connection between these two verses. And then it says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I'll just make some comments on the verse and then we'll, it'll be the right time to come to the outline. We know, not we hope, although we, we sang a hymn about hope written by Brother Lee, and the indwelling Christ is our hope, Galatians 1.27. But here it is, we know, not we think, Now we believe, we know that all things work together for good. And as I mentioned yesterday, I repeat today, I'm still a learner. I'm learning, I would say, day by day. And in the last year, there has been some real learning. I can honestly say, I know that things work together for good. I know that having a very serious condition with your heart that could end your life and the intervention of God and man through surgery took care of that for the time being. Then I look back upon it before July 9 or during July 9. The spirit is interceding. Christ is interceding. This is what Ron needs to experience now. There are parts of his being in the depths that need to be touched now. Certain experiences needs to take place for the body's benefit now. So Paul, who suffered so much, could say, we know that all things work together for good. And I did some extensive research on what are the ministers and the pastors and the the Bible teachers and the theologians saying about this verse well all things work together for good that means something uh, something bad or something difficult happens but don't worry something better will happen oh you go outside 
from here and your car is parked and you got a new nice electric car, a lot of them in Norway. Oh, you don't have to put gas in them. You just charge them up and you got a new car. You just got it last month. And then you go out and you look at the door on the driver's side. There's this huge dent. Someone backed into it. They didn't leave a note. They just drove away. And someone says, don't worry about suffering. The Lord will give you a better car. Don't worry you were fired because you didn't come on time. Don't be concerned. You'll get a better job. The good is a better something, a better this, a better that. No, the good thing, the goal of it is being conformed to the image of Christ. Now, the outline itself. The Spirit intercedes for us and all things are working together for us so that we may be conformed to the image of the firstborn son. This is a key point. Why is the spirit interceding for us? Causing things to happen. It's because all things are working together for us so that we may be conformed to the image of the firstborn son of God. By the Lord's mercy and grace, I believe this, all things are working together for us. But in having tender fellowship with certain saints in particular situations, I, I wouldn't say anything along this line. I still remember what happened at 3 a.m. in the morning in the summer of July 1981. I was in the home of a brother and sister that I've known for many, many times, many years. And their 12-year-old son was missing. He was delivering newspapers and trying to get people to subscribe to them. And he didn't come home. And now it's two days after that. And Brother Lee was closely following it. He asked me to keep in touch with him. And uh, then they were informed. The night detective was there at 3 a.m. He said they have found the, the body of a, of a boy, but they don't know who it is. And then they called at 3 a.m. and said, it was your son. How could I ever say, then or now, I'm sorry that they left the recovery, the parents. I don't dare say this. But I still believe that death cannot hold the resurrection life. And I was asked to speak a brief message at the graveside when we were burying this dear brother. And the only thing I could say, because we don't understand why and how this was allowed to happen, why it happened. But I just declared, this grave will open up. And our brother will be resurrected in the power of Christ. Resurrection. 
And so I'm not going to try to shepherd and comfort a saint just with verses and just with teachings. But still there's the realization that the outcome of everything will our being transformed, conformed, and glorified. And there will be a joy that's eternal. Hopefully it will be also for us in the kingdom age. But during our lifetime, the goal is being conformed to the image of the firstborn son of God. I remember way back in the 60s, there were two particular brothers. And I still would could say that they were uh, the strongest men I've ever met in the self. Just incredibly strong and capable and all kinds of things. And I also learned that many difficult things were happening to them, one after another. And then they all stopped. All these things stopped. And they testified this, both of them. But later I realized it stopped because God decided I can't get through now. I'll let you go your own way now. I will deal with this later. And so I find it very helpful for us to realize that the things are working together for us to be conformed to the image of the firstborn son. We may not know why is this happening. How long will it take place? But there will be some encouragement to realize, Lord, may this not be in vain. I want to give myself to you again. I want to be conformed to the image of your son or his corporate expression. I don't want my human life on the earth to be in vain. Just like an unbeliever going through all these things in a meaningless way. Lord, you're the God of meaning and purpose. I just say, amen. Conform me to the image of the firstborn son. The Spirit's intercession is not mainly according to the will of God, but according to God himself. The will of God is what God wants to take place in this particular situation. But God himself is God's being. And maybe God is saying, I want this dear child of mine to be thoroughly conformed to the image of the firstborn son. And he needs, she needs this kind of experience. And we will shepherd them through. And then the things will happen. And the things will work together for the goal of being conformed to the image of the firstborn son. It may take quite a period of time before that verse, verse 29, becomes very precious to us. But as someone who will soon be 84, on the side of my personal fellowship with the Lord, Lord, before the end of my journey on the earth, 
Please grant me to be fully conformed through the image of your firstborn son. This is the goal, personally, of my journey on the earth. I don't want to have to go through another period of time to be conformed. Rather, I'd like to participate with Christ and many others with the joy set before us. This is God's goal for each one of us. And that verse says we were predestinated to be conformed in this way. But millions of genuine believers living on the earth right now know nothing about being conformed. And during the thousand years, they will be in the process of this confirmation. What they will go through, only God knows. I don't want to know. But Lord, during our lifetime, may all the things we experience and pass through, may they not be meaningless. May they open the way for us to be conformed to your image, the son's image. The spirit intercedes for us that we may be fully conformed to the image of Christ. Fully conformed. I believe all of us know God is thorough. God is detailed. He doesn't do something halfway, never. He does not, he, does, he will not be happy for us to be partially conformed. No. He wants to be fully conformed. Christ is the pattern. And the Spirit prays that everything that happens to us will mold us into this pattern, the image of God's firstborn Son. The Spirit is praying that everything that happens will mold us. The Spirit is praying for the effect of the things that have happened. He's not praying that the things itself will happen. But the result of the things. That we will be molded into the pattern of Christ. Okay, Roman 2. As the result of the Spirit's intercession. All things work together for good. That is. For the fulfillment of God's purpose. I repeat the verse says, we know, we know. And some of us, some of you may not be comfortable saying, I know that all things work together for good. And the good is verse 29. It's okay. Don't pretend. But I believe at least some of us can say, Lord, I'm coming to know these things are working together for good. I look back upon stages of my life. And when those things happened, I was just lost. But now I look back, I realize, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing that to happen, because through that, you gained this. And we give him our belated amens, thank yous, and hallelujahs. So we know this. It's an experiential knowing. The working together of all things outside of us always follows the groaning of the spirit within us. 
So don't try to interpret or understand what the spirit is praying. It's better that we not know. But we participate in it. B, God the Father is sovereign, arranges everything, and knows what is best for us. He answers the Spirit's intercession by causing all things to work together for good, that we would be conformed to the image of the firstborn Son of God for the corporate expression of the triune God. Now I have about 15 minutes more for my time. I'd like to spend a couple of minutes more on this point. God the Father is sovereign. He has authority over all things. Arranges everything. He knows what is best for us. I hope many of you can testify and say, God, my God, knows what is best for me. He knows. He knows what is the best that will be the outcome of what you're going through. He answers the Spirit's intercession by causing all the things to work together for good. And this we need to pray personally and to pray for others. About 10 days ago, I received a, a brief but clear email from a middle-aged sister from somewhere. And she was not in herself. She was in the mingled spirit. But she needed the prayer of the body. She said, I have a certain kind of cancer. And on the 16th of this month, there will be surgery. And we do not know what the outcome will be. And so the Lord flowed out in a brief email response about how the Lord is with you and supplying you. And then just yesterday, I got an email. She said, I just been brought home. The surgery went so very well. And she quoted a verse from Song of Songs about his arm is under me. His other arm is embracing me. I'm resting in him. This is a middle-aged sister who went through it a difficult situation is still recovering. But what a wonderful gain of Christ because the spirit intercedes, causing that thing to work together for good. Father God, that dear sister is going to have serious surgery. May it work together for good. May she pass through that, gaining you. And the personal goal is that each one of us would be conformed to the image of the firstborn son of God. But we need to see beyond the personal goal. The Lord wants millions and millions of sons of God Conform to the image of his son. The goal of God's economy is the eternal corporate expression of the process and consummated triune God in Christ as the spirit. And just allow me to say, please, you might have heard me, but this is giving glory to God and thankfulness to the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ 
the moment I heard that I have to have this open heart surgery in a complete way, there was peace and there was this feeling. This is a body matter. It will be in the body, with the body, through the body, by the body, and for the body. It was very personal. The Lord had to deal with things and supply aspects of himself personally. But the goal is the body. And the time will come when we will realize what we are experiencing now is not just for me, for my transformation. This is for the body. I'm participating in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. D, according to the context, the good mentioned in verse 28 refers to our being conformed to the image of the first of the firstborn son of God. So I hope this is becoming very clear. Making all things good is being conformed. Now I just need to pause and reading the final section of the outline with you, which will uh, apply and develop what I'm about to say. Verse 28 again. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. And so, it could be a whole conference on loving God. Love God. Please notice, Paul didn't say, those who love Christ. He didn't say those who love the Lord Jesus. He didn't say those who love the Father. He said those who love God. On the day of his resurrection, the Lord spoke to that sister. I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. When God our Father is caring for us in a particular way, and we're in fellowship with our Father, it's so Precious. But when he acts as God, there's no explanation. Only he knows. We just consider why is God or why has he been allowing this war between Russia and Ukraine with tens of Many tens of thousands of men have been killed. Only God knows. Only God is God. And when we are passing through certain things or experiencing certain things, only God knows. And I have to say it's been a long, trudging journey for me to be able to say, finally, I love God. Not just Christ, the Spirit, the Father. You are God. You are never wrong. You are always right. Everything you do is righteous. You are God. I don't understand anything about what's happening. But you still are my God. And I love you. This is a sign that our being is really open for the Lord's dispensing and transformation. And then we realize I've been called 
according to your purpose. This is why I was born. Where and when I was born. This is why you brought me into the Lord's recovery. This is what you want to accomplish in me in this weekend conference here. And that because I'm living here for the purpose of God. So many millions of Christians are misled by preachers saying, don't worry, Christ was a carpenter, he's making a beautiful dwelling place for you in heaven. When you pass away, you'll go to be in heaven. That's the goal. And so they don't grow an inch, spiritually speaking, in their whole life because they've been misled. But by the Lord's mercy, we know what his purpose is and his goal. Second Timothy 1.9, Paul said, we were saved according to God's purpose. You were saved, I was saved because of God's eternal purpose. And I mentioned already, when we stand before the Son of Man at the judgment seat, I hope you'll be able to say to all of us, your life contributed to the fulfillment of God's purpose. Now we come to the last section. And we have five minutes remaining. God has called us with the purpose of conforming us to the image of his son. And the way to cooperate with God in his purpose is to love him. This is how we we cooperate with his purpose. We love him. To love God is to, cooper- is to cooperate with him. And to cooperate with him is to give him an opportunity to work out his purpose in us and with us. Dear ones, will you... Give God the opportunity to do this right now. The day's not over yet. You can do something in the next several hours. To cooperate with him, to give him the opportunity to work out his purpose in us and with us. There are certain things God wants to do in each of us today. There are other things God wants to do for his purpose with us and through us. If we love God, everything will work together for our profit. That is for our confirmation. If we love God. And we'll see from 1 John 4.19, we'll read it in a moment. We love because God first loved us. See whether all things are a profit or loss to us. Depends on our love for God. The secret is to love him. During the 48 hours after that surgery, I was just wide awake. And and my entire being, spirit, soul, and body were very active. And the Lord was exceedingly active, deep in my being and touching things, dealing with things. And he would touch something and then he would speak one word, love. Deal with this, love, love, love. This is the fresh word for the whole body. We love God. Now these verses will open the way for us to actually love God. 
You shall love the Lord your God from your whole heart and from your whole soul and from your whole mind and from all of your, from all your whole strength. This is a command. But please listen carefully. Remember the three steps yesterday? This is a command. I say, Amen, Lord. This is your command. Step two. I can't love you like this. I can't. I can't. I tried. I prayed. I hoped. I can't. And the Lord would say, I know you can't. But I can. And I will be in you this kind of love. And I was refreshed when I had the inner realization that this verse describes Christ. He is the one who loved God from his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole soul, his whole mind, and his whole strength. And now he's making us the same as he is. So please don't condemn yourself. Just open and let this love flow in you. Two, we love because he, God, first loved us. So please, this may sound childish, but it's not. Please, let God love you right now. Please. This, the flow of love is coming right now to all of us. The Lord is pouring out love in all of our hearts. And this is what enables us to love. None of us can love God out of ourselves. God first loved us and that he infused us with his love and generated within us the love with which we love him and one another. So God first loves us by infusing his love into us. He wants to do this all the time, right now. And this infused love will generate within us a love with which we love him and one another. So I believe we all can say, we love God and we love one another. Amen.